You don't want to see that. <laughs> I'm so grateful that um, camcorders and video phones, all those things, did not exist when I was willing to do that in public, because those things can come back to haunt you, for sure. Uh, keep that in mind, by the way, because I know you think it looks cool now, but think 10 years from now, you know, or 20, or 30. Okay. Um, it is great to see you guys. I don't know if you have caught it or not, but World Cup fever is definitely circling the globe. Some people that don't even care about soccer or football, as the rest of the world uh, typically calls it, are really excited. I mean, it is kind of the center stage event on the planet right now. And tonight, the U.S. is playing who? Portugal. Portugal. Yeah, absolutely. And the U.S. is going to? That's right. We're going to win. Patriotism for the World Cup is high. It's kind of like um, the Olympics. You know, the people who have a, a country that's in it are just all excited and everybody gets ex just stoked and, and they send tweets and stuff even if they don't like soccer that much, you know, and they just get excited. It's awesome, awesome stuff. Um, but one thing that's really interesting is anytime you get these large events, first of all, there's an underbelly that we aren't going to talk about, but if you know what I'm talking about, please be praying about that. But we're going to skip over that for today. Um, but there is this need, because there are so many millions of people there, that, that people want to get their product in front of all these people. And you've probably seen the, the statue um, over the, on the mountain there that is in Rio that's called Christ the Redeemer, that statue that, of Jesus that overlooks the city. Well, one company this week created a huge balloon. This is not the statue. This is a huge balloon. I don't know if you can tell at the bottom. It's really hard to see. There is a little basket hanging under there. That tells you the size of that huge balloon. And it has a, 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 a soccer jersey, Jesus wearing a soccer jersey. And I blocked out the name of the company because I thought, ah, they don't need to get free advertising because it's a gambling thing. And, uh, but I just thought, Wow. They're willing to take this image of Jesus, put a soccer jersey on it, which is probably, I, I don't think he played, that's all I'm saying. And, um, I mean, he might have. But then they put, like, their company name on it. And I just thought, that is, I don't know, that just feels like it's going too far. And I'm usually pretty flexible and stuff, but that just, that to me just really struck me. You know, advertising can definitely go too far. Movies can go too far. Songs, practical jokes can go too far. Teasing people. Even good things like, you know, exercise or eating. Um, some of those things can go too far from time to time. Well, what about love? Our topic for today. Is it possible that love could ever go too far? What about our love? Are there limits to it? Are there limits to God's love? Well, love, as Cindy already reminded us with the young people, is the first part of the fruit of the Spirit. So today, again, we want to read our theme verse or say our theme verse for the, for the summer. So I would like for you, if you would, to read this together with me, and then don't forget the reference at the end. Let's all say this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, Galatians. 
Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. The Bible speaks a lot about love. Again, the first part of the fruit of the Spirit here. In the book of Ruth, there is a lot of of information. There are stories about love and commitment. And I think most of us, when we think of the story of Ruth, we think more toward the middle and the end of the story when we're talking about Ruth and Boaz and, and their relationship, and they get married. And that is an important part of the book. But before they even meet... In chapter 1, we see love and respect in the context of family and friendship. And that's what we want to use today for our example of love. And so, if you have a Bible, we're going to be reading um, from the uh, New English Translation today. And this is uh, from Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through uh, the first part of 19. During the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land of Judah. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah went to live as a resident foreigner in the region of Moab, along with his wife and two sons. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife was Naomi, and his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were of the clan of Ephrath from Bethlehem in Judah. They entered the region of Moab and settled there. Sometime later, Naomi's husband Elimelech died, so she and her two sons were left alone. So her sons married Moabite women. One was named Orpah and the other Ruth. And they continued to live there about 10 years. Then Naomi's two sons, Malon and Kilian, also died. So the woman was left all alone, bereaved of her two children as well as her husband. So she decided to return home from the region of Moab, accompanied by her daughters-in-law, because while she was living in Moab, she had heard that the Lord had shown concern for his people, reversing the famine by providing abundant crops. Now as she and her two daughters-in-law began to leave the place where she had been living to return to the land of Judah, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Listen to me. Each of you should return to your mother's home. May the Lord show you the same kind of devotion that you have shown to your deceased husbands and to me. May the Lord enable each of you to find security in the home of a new husband. She kissed them goodbye, and they wept loudly. But they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Go back home, my daughters. There is no reason for you to return to Judah with me. I am no longer capable of giving birth to sons who might become your husbands. Go back home, my daughters, for I am too old to get married again. Even if I thought that there was hope that I could get married tonight and conceive sons, surely you would not want to wait until they were old enough to marry. Surely you would not remain unmarried all that time. No, my daughters, you must not return with me, for my intense suffering is too much for you to bear. The Lord is afflicting me. Again they wept loudly. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to her. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law is returning to her people and to her God. Follow your sister-in-law back home. But Ruth replied, Stop urging me to abandon you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will become my people, and your God will become my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I do not keep my promise. Only death will be able to separate me from you. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped trying to dissuade her. So the two of them journeyed together, until they arrived in Bethlehem. Now that is an amazing story of dedication, of commitment, of love. 
Now, the context of the story is important. In the very first verse, it says that this is taking place during the time of the judges. And the time of the judges in the history of Israel is a kind of a dark time. In Judges 21-25, it says that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So you can think of maybe like in our history, the, the Wild West, where there really was a lot of vigilante justice and there was not a whole lot of conformity to any kind of laws or standards. In this context, in this environment, steps a woman named Ruth. She steps up, and she demonstrates characteristics, as does her mother-in-law, Naomi, that we would want to see if someone was saying, saying that they loved us. These are characteristics that God wants us to have. She's a very strong example to us. And what's really amazing when you understand the, the story of Ruth is that she had these incredible limits, things that would keep her from being able to do much to demonstrate her love, and yet she was willing. What were some of those limits? Well, the first one is really an unfortunate one, but it was, it's simply the fact that she was a woman. In that culture, everything was based on men, and women were scarcely more than property. So she was very limited in that respect. She was also a widow. And so her husband had passed away, obviously, and she had no reliable resources, no real income. And on top of that, she didn't have any kids. And that makes it so much worse because they would at least be able to take care of her. But Ruth had no children. But even more, as she's, as she's saying, I'm going to go with you, Naomi, to this other land, to Judah, she is saying, I'm willing to go even though I'm a foreigner. Even though I'm not part of that country. Even though that people group really isn't mine. She wasn't Jewish. She was from Moab. And we all know how sometimes if you're not in the in group, it's just that much harder. Yet, despite these kinds of limitations, Ruth was willing to love. She crossed cultural barriers for love. She married a Jewish man in the first place, and then she stayed faithful in that marriage until death separated them. And we need so many people to be doing that today. And after he died, she declared her dedication to her mother-in-law. Now, how was Ruth able to make that commitment of love? I mean, she wasn't a Jewish woman. She didn't know the things that God would want of her life. Or did she? Because she had an influence, a family, people who were willing to show the love of God and His principles to her. You see, not only did Naomi foster a positive relationship with her daughter-in-law, but she consistently is talking about God when you hear her voice. And so in these chapters that are unwritten, in the 10 years, for example, you know that Naomi, that her sons, they're speaking of God. Even though Naomi was in a difficult situation. She still said, God is going to take care of me. 
you don't know how much your example makes a difference. It can make a difference in the good times, but I think even more when times are hard, when you can show your faithfulness and your commitment to God and to other people, that's a tremendous testimony. And Ruth, I think, responds to that kind of love and commitment with love and commitment of her own. And God blesses that because notice the city they're going to is called Bethlehem. Ruth plays a part in the lineage of Jesus, which affects us to this day. Ruth took the love and commitment of her mother-in-law and she kind of elevated it to a new level. And she did this even though Naomi said, look, you really, you should take this other path at this point in your life. It would just be much easier for you. I I can't do anything for you. I don't have any children. If I were to have children, you're not going to wait for them to get married. Just just go, go back home, get married, have children, have a good life. Don't worry about me. And Ruth said, I can't do that. I'm committed to you. I love you. I'm going to go where you go. Your culture, your people, I I want those to be mine. And and your God, who you have so much faith in, I want God to take care of me. And in fact, I'm saying before him, may nothing other than death separate me from you. That's a powerful example of love. I think Ruth takes this example that she's seen in Naomi and elevates it and passes the fridge test. She passes the fridge test. The what? <laughs> the fridge test. I, I just read about the, this uh, this week. One person, an anonymous person, said that you can tell the relationship that you have with somebody it can be judged by the distance between your front door and your refrigerator. For example, a salesperson comes to your door. First of all, you're likely going to pretend like you're not home. Don't pretend like you've never done that. If you do open the door, you do it with one foot on the door and doing this, and we don't want any, thank you, have a good day. Or if you're really nice, you open the door and you stand like this in the door. They're not coming into your house. Now, maybe another level would be like somebody that you know, maybe a neighbor that's fairly familiar. Um, You know, somebody you might invite into like the entryway and you still kind of stand between them and the rest of the house, you know, and you talk for a few minutes and then they take off. The next level might be if it's somebody that you know pretty well. Uh, you invite them in. You say, hey, why don't you come and have a seat? Um, you, would you like something to drink? Some, a little snack? I've got some brownies I made yesterday. They're still pretty good. You want one? You know, and you sit down and you talk. And then there is the super serious, deep level, the close people, the ones who know the, the four-digit code to your garage or have a key, the ones who don't have to knock. They just come on in. And when they come in, They don't have to ask. They just go straight to your refrigerator and they get something to drink for themselves or they get a snack out of the pantry for themselves. You know that, right? 
Those are, those are rare, but they exist. I feel like that's kind of where Ruth is. She's saying to Naomi, look, all of these barriers that have been, all of these cultural things, deaths that have occurred, I want to put that all behind us. I am willing to go wherever you go to be with you. And she, she's like saying, I'm willing to open my house so you can come and have food out of my fridge anytime. And she didn't even have a fridge. You know, these words that Ruth says are often included in wedding ceremonies. And we also hear the words from 1 Corinthians 13 at almost every wedding, where Paul says this, if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but I didn't love others, if I would only be then a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. See, love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice with injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love never fails and will last forever. Paul says it doesn't matter what we do. If we don't love, it's like a really loud gong or a noisy cymbal. Now, don't misunderstand. Paul is not against cymbals. He's against them being out of place. See, if we don't love, our words and our actions are are really just loud and out of place. Because love is primary, and without it, it really doesn't matter what we say or do very much. But when we do love, it changes everything. Yes, marriages should be based on these kinds of things, this type of love. But Paul and, and the example of Ruth and Naomi the Bible makes it clear to us that these kinds of things, this type of love is what we as followers of Jesus should have all of the time for everyone. Love does all of these things. Love is all of these things. And when you love like that, it's proof that the Holy Spirit is in your life. Now, I guess... This might help you. It helps me to, to do illustrative things or illustrative, if you like that word. Let's say this is me right here. And uh, I want to do some kind of thing, you know, to show my love. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to extend myself a little bit out here and maybe to here. And that's feeling pretty good about that. You know, I moved off center. 
loved a little bit. Then we see people like Ruth and Naomi, you know, and they're, they're going like to these greater extremes. And Paul is saying, well, you know, if you're going to love, you really need to do this kind of stuff. You need to really reach up and be different. And then, of course, we have the greatest example of all, which is Jesus. And Jesus, man, he takes us to a whole different level. Jesus shows his love in so many different ways. But here are just a few of them. For example, Jesus is willing to pray for people. And we might think, well, that's not that big a deal. It's huge. Taking time to pray for people shows an incredible amount of love. And Jesus even prayed for us. Jesus was also willing to do things like forgive his enemies. I mean, that's pretty far out there, isn't it? He even did that when he was on the cross. Also, when he was on the cross, there's a good example of Jesus caring for people. He, he cared for his mom. Made sure she was taken care of because we don't know what happened to Joseph, but her husband wasn't around and her son wasn't going to be there. So Jesus made sure she was taken care of. He cared about the needs of other people. He, he fed them when they were hungry. He healed them. Jesus also was willing to do things like reach down in, in what would be considered a very low thing and, and touch a leper. Or to wash the feet of the disciples because of love. Jesus also was willing to go to the highest point and tell people about the love of God and, and His justice, His holiness, his mercy and his love. Jesus was willing to go to these high, great extremes. Now, I think when you look at mine and then look at those, they're slightly different. But we can, we can love in similar kinds of ways. We can pray for people. And we should. We can forgive people even our enemies, which is very challenging, but needs to be done. We can care for the needs of other people. We can reach the rejected. We can feed the hungry. We can care for our own physical families, for our spiritual family. And we need to be willing to tell people about God and who He is and what He has done and will do in their lives to reach up. Now that's love. That's, that's real love. That's biblical love. That's going beyond what really seems logical. That's the Holy Spirit is working in your life kind of love. It's the love that imitates the amazing love of God. You've heard John 3.16 many times. Let me read it to you out of the English Standard Version and include verse 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. That's love. And this is love. 1 John 3.16 from the New International Version. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. 
and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. God's love reaches beyond limits. And God tells us to love in the same kind of way. There is one substantial difference in the love that we can provide and the love that Jesus provides for us. See, we have limits even if we try not to. But Jesus is willing to go beyond the limits. And Jesus says, you know, even when you're all the way over here, or you've, you've gone so far as to go to this extreme, even in your lowest points and your highest points, I'm going to love you. That's not only what Jesus says, that's what Jesus does. His love is strong in every situation. His love never fails. His love is an anchor for our lives, for our souls. God's love really does seem to be without limits, but there is one point, one line that the love of God will not cross. Because God really understands what love is, He will not do one thing. There is one thing that can stop the love of God. And that's you, and that's me. We can reject God's love and say, I don't want you in my life. I don't want you to be part of my life. And God will respect that. We can also choose to accept His gift of love, and many of you have done that, and it's wonderful. Because it's a love that is beyond our comprehension. So far beyond that amazing example of Ruth, that example of Naomi, the the example that Paul wrote about, God's love goes far beyond even that. I like the way that Marjorie Thompson puts it in her book that's called Soul Feast. Listen to these words. And I really mean listen to them because there are some people in here who even though you have a relationship with God, you might think that he doesn't really love you. How could he? It's not true. That's a lie. Jesus demonstrated it. Listen to these words. God loves us. This is not a general rule to which you personally may be an exception. It is not a conditional rule that applies only when you are good, pure, and lovable. God's passionate and personal love for each and every human being expresses who God is. Unfailing love is the divine nature and the divine choice in relation to us. God loves us with an overwhelming love. While we can grieve and disappoint this love, nothing we do or fail to do can alter its depth or reality. It is a gift, a given. We cannot control whether God loves us by efforts to gain this love or even to lose it. Since, nothing, uh, since we neither deserve nor earn such love, God's dream is that we will receive it and respond to it. So today, 
throughout this week, I pray that we enjoy the warmth of God's love. It is enough. It is sufficient. There is nothing that compares to it. And may we be able to grasp how wide and deep and high the love of God really is. God may be calling you today to respond to his love in in some public way. If he is, do that. Come forward and fall into the arms of Jesus. Or if you want to make DCC your church home, you can do that. Or if you simply want to pray, would you please do that? But wherever you are, enjoy, bask in the loving embrace of God. Let's stand and let's sing.